You're listening to Mornings with Kelly and Steve on Moody Radio, from the word to life. It is time for our Biblical Worldview Question of the Week with Nancy Fitzgerald of Anchors Away Christian Worldview (laughs) Ministry. We are glad to have her join us. You know, today we... uh, these are the words that come to mind, captivity and bondage uh, and yeah. our sin. Scripture's got a lot to say about being set free, but the question is, what does that fully mean, right? So to help us unpack the Scriptures, lead us into a deeper understanding of how God's Word informs our Christian worldview, we are now joined by Nancy Fitzgerald from Anchors Away. Hey, good morning to you, Nancy. Good rainy morning to you, Steve. Yeah, How are you? It is a little bit wet and rainy out there as we go through the day, though. But Randy Ellis, the good news is he said it's going to be partly sunny, breezy. Things are going to get warmer. 50 degrees later this afternoon. You may have to get out there and get on the tee box. Yeah, that's... <laughs> yes. Not in a million years. But yes, yes. Yes. <laughs> It's going to be a good day. It's going to be a good day. Well, let's talk about this, being set free. Yeah. We see, we hear this term thrown around a lot. What does it mean to be set free? Yeah, and and this idea of being free, you know, is, is on the hearts of a lot of people, especially lately. But uh, from a spiritual sense, what does it mean and why does it matter so much that we as believers in Jesus are set free? Set free from what uh, probably is, is the question. But again, it gets to the heart of God and many think of God. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I grew up as, as an agnostic uh not believing anything, but if I believed anything, it wasn't that he was a giver of good gifts. You know, it was that he was a taker and scary um, if there was a God. So so this, this question should sink deep into some of us that, that question this and don't see God as a giver of great gifts. And we see this. Paul clearly talked about it continually. But he writes in Ephesians 1, th- uh, 1.3, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. It's like God did not hold back with us. And in verses 4 through 7, he writes, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins according to the riches of his grace meaning we didn't earn them, which he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight. You know, and, and this, is, this is the thing. Jesus wants us to be blessed, wants us to experience his peace and his grace, which he extended to us which keeps us from eternal death and torment. He gives us what we need in this life to have peace and to worship him by the way we live. He didn't, he he was, he commandeered in a way his own death. He chose to come to earth as man and die for us, which is absurd from a human perspective, but he did it to pay the penalty 
for all of our past, present, and future sins. Yeah. And when we put our faith and trust in him, there it is, Jesus, uh, and Jesus, and chose to live by his glory and not our own, boom, we become his child and are set free from the desire that we all once had to ignore him and to do our own thing. Do you remember those days? Oh yeah. Steve? Oh yeah. <laughs> I know. And and Ephesians two, eight and nine, for grace you've been saved through faith. This is not your own doing, it is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so no one may boast. And you know, um, with all the rel- all the Christian faiths, no matter what church you go to, there's there's this idea that we're saved by grace. And we don't work for it. It is by God's grace. But the result is in the in the way we live out our lives. In the Christian faith just screams this. You know, you're not saved by doing good things. But boy, once you get Christ in your soul and changes your life, boom, all of this happens. Second Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And when, when Jesus says this, you, you know, come, uh, like he said to the disciples, you know, he said, come, follow me, come, become like me. That's what the call is. He says it not only to his disciples, but to us, it's the same thing to come to me. And it's a tie and and he's not saying, look, I want you to just get rid of some of the junk in your life and add religion. He's, he's simply not saying that. He's saying it's time for a new beginning, a new life, new hope, new strength, new vision, new way to think, new way to talk, um, uh, just a new way to live. Because God looks at our hearts, and, and this is the thing. He doesn't look at our works so much. He looks at our heart. And when we're ready to turn away from our old selves, when we get sick enough of our old selves, he embraces us. And he makes us into a new creation. And he gives all those people who choose to follow him a new identity. And I think for me, becoming his child, adopting us. And what I love about that is you can't adopt anything. And and no longer then does sin have a hold on us. But we now, through Christ, we have the power in us through the Holy Spirit to resist those temptations that we used to fall prey to and live as a child of God, not to our glory, but to his. Uh, Jeff Thomas wrote, wrote this, and I absolutely love it. What he says is that means, for example, that we have been delivered from sin in the sense that it no longer dominates or lords over the Christian dictating him as to how he's to live. Once it did, and it told him to ignore God, forget about Christ, never pray, don't even think about going to church, and ignore the fact that death, uh, uh, of death, just ignore it. And don't bother to read the Bible and forget you have a soul. See, but there, that brings up something, too, that we know as Christ followers, we have actually got a duty to pursue a relationship with God through Christ, right? And accepting Him as Lord and Savior over our life, we are making a conscious expression 
for a desire to turn away from those sins in our life. And doing so, that means that we can choose then not to sin. We have this ability to go against what our natural flesh is telling us, right? <clears throat> Absolutely. And there was a time before the Christian was converted when he obeyed sin, you know, in all those details and how different things are now. You know, sin rages within him, yes, but it does not reign as a dictator. And this is so important. Yes, we have temptations all the time, but it doesn't reign in our life anymore. It's Mm -hmm. absolutely impossible for sin to be king of the Christian believer because it's no longer in control. And when we realize it's no longer in control, and we really do have power over that by the things we say and the things we do, you know, then, then the tyranny of sin over the old man has been broken, and the influence of sin has not been totally eradicated, but its lordship has ended, and this is key to the whole thing. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves to sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching in which you were committed in having been set free from sin and have been become slaves of righteousness. Romans 6, 17, 18. That's our new identity. That's our freedom. Yes, we're still tempted, but God's gift of the Holy Spirit reminds us that we can choose to say no. And that's huge for me. How about you, Steve? Well, it's it's so important because just as you said, hey Steve, do you remember those days, you know, where you where you did those things and said, yes, and do I also remember those days where I want to maybe even do those things? Those thoughts still become entertained. They're still a part of who we are, but now we have an awareness, we have the strength and the spirit resides in us. So the trouble is though, we still do sometimes sin. So, does falling into our sin sometimes put our relationship with Christ at risk? <clears throat> well, I, I think from a human perspective, how slow we are to really forget and, and forgive, you know, our fellow friends, even Christians. Um, so, we, we, we lack in the ability to even understand really what it means for God to forget, forgive and to forget. Ephesians 1, again, uh, Paul reminds us we don't have to worry about that. And there's a beautiful thing in here that I, as a new believer, thought of over and over and over again. It's that we are sealed in Jesus as God's guarantee that we indeed have eternal life with him. You know, Satan is an accuser. He accuses us, wrongly accuses us uh, most of the time. But we have trouble distinguishing the voice of Satan accusing us like you're not forgiven you're going to hell if there's a rapture you're clearly not going that kind of stuff um that we hear if we're if we're not in the word of god really if we don't pray and get used to the holy spirit's voice we get confused maybe that's god telling me this but jesus through the scriptures through our own spirit through the holy spirit sets us free to be who god created us to be forever with jesus listen to this Ephesians 1, 13, 14. In him you also, when you heard the word of birth, of, of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit, who is our guarantee of our relation of, of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. 
to the praise of his glory. And, and that's the beauty of this whole thing. Jesus was the only perfect man to have lived on earth. He's fully God, never sinned, yet he died for us. Humans are sinful and selfish with deceitfully wicked hearts. We deserve God's wrath. We owed a debt, you know, that we could never pay, repay on our own. We were enemies of God. And, and, and that whole idea of being an em- enemy of God, it's like, I was an enemy of God. I was a sinner and I didn't know him. I really didn't like him. But, yeah, you know, in Romans 5.10, it says, for while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more, we are now reconciled. Shall we be saved? We should be saved by his life. And, you know, the penalty for sin is death. Romans 3.23, or all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, Romans 3.26. But also in in uh, in Romans 6, it's the penalty of sin is death. Yeah. And here God is saying, I'm going to take that on for you. I'm going to pay that price for you. You know, and in our culture today, many believe there are many ways to God. And they might believe that Jesus was a good person, a savior, uh, uh, but not the world's only savior. The Lord of lords, the king of kings. And and so we have to be careful and very careful of this. But in John fourteen six, Christ makes it very clear. There is one God. He says, I am the way. The truth and the life. No one comes to God but through me. It's, it's, it's just right there, uh, Steve. Jesus is the truth in whom we should believe. He is reliable, trustworthy. He has the power to redeem, to save, to give us true freedom. And the thing is, the law doesn't give us grace. Neither does religion, nor our performance. You know, Jesus is the one who saves. He makes it so clear. The path is open to all who come to him. You know, it's God's grace that draws us to him. And when we believe, our lives change. It just does. And in us, the Holy Spirit of God will give us the desire to live for God's glory as we love and we serve others. That's what it means to be free. To be free, to be able to say no to self and yes to God, not for my glory, but for years. And I love John 8, 30 through 32. As Jesus spoke these things, many believed in him. So he said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Yeah. You know, this is so important because that freedom that so many people often look for is something that we we think is this this incredible and tangible thing that we do experience with him. But there's a little bit of this that we have responsibility for, right? And that is the, follow that leading of the Holy Spirit. That is the cooperation, right? Our sanctification is a cooperative work. And that freedom, while it's given to us, we still have to choose to walk in that freedom because we still have a choice to walk in our sin. We just now have the 
ability and the power to overcome it. This is very important. Yeah. Nancy, you know, I, I, I want to talk about where folks can go to find out more information uh, <coughs> that they can begin this journey. If you've got a uh, junior, senior in high school, uh, biblical worldview is so important to be shaped because when they leave the nest, they go off to college, there are so many different cultural influences that can change the trajectory of their path. And so being rooted in a worldview and understanding how to defend their belief system is so yeah. important. So where are they going to go to find that? Well, just come to our website, you know, anchorsaway.org, um, sign up. We have, oh my goodness, you can... We'll send you a book, and, and you can watch videos and teach this in, in your home. It's that we just try to make it as easy as we can. It's interesting, uh, Steve, it's the statistics that are coming out now on teens today. Um, where it used to be, um, not too long ago, uh, maybe maybe seven, eight years ago, where the influencers of, of teens were their families, their faith, their yeah. friends, and now it's their their jobs that they they want to extend their hobbies to do what they do for a living. Gender, um, you know, all these influences now on them that it's it's like just these kids have been shook up and just dumped out like you dump dice out on a table. It is horrifying what what these young uh, men and women are experiencing uh, through ma- mainly through social media, but we have to be educated to understand that our job, uh, especially as students, is is to be as missionaries going into school. No, we're going to sin. Yes, we're going to make mistakes. Yeah, but it's through. Christian young people who go on to these college campuses that have a solid faith, um, they will be the disciples. They will be the hope of that school, of those kids attending that those schools. And it's hard for them to stick to it. So it's all important that they have a very strong faith when they leave school, uh, leave for school or yeah. leave for work or leave for the mission field or go into the military to have the mindset of living out their faith because by the way they live, even if, if they don't know how to answer any of their questions, just by the way they live is their greatest, their greatest tool to reach others yeah. by their kindness, by their joy, by their wanting to listen, not always talk, uh, ask, ask people about their story, ask them how they feel about God. And most of them will say they don't have any feelings you know, well, tell me about your story and get into them rather than to themselves. And and uh, I, I just think that people are searching and they don't know where to find any hope, any peace. And, it's, and that's the importance of the, uh, most of it is to develop a faith in our kids that they can be that hope, that light yeah. when they leave home. We've got and they're doing it. And that's the thing. The response has been incredible. We just got to get more missionaries out there, you know. You're listening to Mornings with Kelly and Steve on Moody Radio. From the word to life.